This is the Life Truth Network. Truth Exposed, Episode 39. Truth Exposed, a feature of Quest for Truth where we take a deep dive into Scripture. Now located at life-truth.com. And now, here are your hosts, Keith Heltzley and Nathan Caldwell. Welcome everyone, that's right, uh, this is your host Keith, and right now I'm alone here in Church House Studios as we get ready for, uh, not Quest for Truth, the other one, <laughs> uh, Truth Exposed. This is the uh, show where we like to take a deep dive into scripture. We uh, go through uh, book by book, and well, actually went so far, one book, which was in John, we're still in John, and we will be in John for quite some time, we're close to halfway through it more or less and uh, we are going to be in John chapter 11 today as we uh, go through verse by verse looking at the happenings there chapter 11 Lazarus being raised from the dead uh, we've discussed uh, some previous sessions uh, which you can go back and check if you visit uh, our website life-truth.com over the sidebar, you'll see a selection box for uh, categories, I believe it is, and you find Truth Exposed, and you will call up all of our episodes that fall into that category. And uh, hey, give it a listen and then see what we got so far, if you haven't already heard it. But today, we're going to be looking at kind of the, where the rubber hits the road here. Uh, with the raising of Lazarus. It's going to be a long passage from verse 28, I think it was, 26, 28, somewhere in there. And we're going to go not to the end, but to about uh, verse 45 or so, maybe 46. We'll probably pick up the next time with verses 46 to the end. So it takes a bit of a different turn after that. But the main part here is uh, the episode of Lazarus being raised and what that means uh, for his sisters, Mary and Martha, what it should mean for us uh, when it comes to uh, the power of Jesus and what he's capable of in our lives and what he wants from us when he calls us or commands us to do something. So just a little bit of sneak previews there of what's to come. Uh, I won't say an awful lot more because we'll get into it as the body of the show progresses. You will hear uh, pretty soon from my co-host Nathan Caldwell. Uh, also from our uh, most favored, long-deceased radio Bible teacher, Jay Vernon McGee. His ministry is still out there at Through the Bible Ministries. That can be found at ttb.org. Drop him a line, give him a listen. I think they're redoing um, his original uh, audio teaching. I think uh, they have a, a new fellow out there. I <laughs> don't know his name. But I think they're re reworking his 
his uh, teachings. Not that they're reworking teachings, they're just re-recording it and giving it uh, a more modern sound, I guess you could say. But hey, they're still out there chugging along and doing, doing strong, presenting a good, sound, uh, theological, uh, classical, uh, Christian teaching on the Bible. So hey, check them out. And uh, when you when you stop by and you see you you heard from from us, they'll probably give you a deer in the headlight look and say, "Who? <laughs> we don't know who those guys are." Um, but anyway, there's that. Uh, some other bit of housekeeping here is um, we are part of the Christian Podcast Community, and I know there's over 50 podcasts out there. I, I heard someone say 54 recently. I know the number is always growing for a while, man. They were just adding folks left and right, it seemed like. Uh, but uh, they're all uh, vetted, as uh, the saying goes, uh, which means that they, you have to go through a process. You People have to meet up to uh, the statement of belief, basically, of striving for eternities, because the shows do represent a extension, a ministry of striving for eternities. So uh, that would be the reason for that. <clears throat> Not just anybody who has a Christian podcast can say, "Put me on." Uh, there's a process, so you'll you'll find <clears throat> people with a lot of uh, similar theology, but everyone has a different slant. Everyone has a different purpose, a different mission, and uh, there, of course, are a lot of deep theological pastoral podcasts but you'll find some some of my favorites are the ones that are not necessarily those it's the ones like uh, that are a little more entertaining like uh, are you just watching which is about critical thinking of movies and uh, shows like squirrel chatter which he reads the bible uh, and he reads theological readings but he does it in a very friendly approachable uh, manner uh, he's got in my opinion he's a guy who's easy to listen to and uh, sometimes opinionated but hey aren't we all <laughs> and uh, those are a couple I, I enjoy the uh, the homeschooling ones I enjoy some of the ones that are that are uh, hosted by the ladies uh, because they offer a different slant a different flavor uh, there's uh, grace and truth, right? No, I'm sorry, grace and peace. I should know that because that's hosted by the voice of the podcast, Anthony Russo, and his lovely wife, Amy. <clears throat> and it's good to have uh, a husband and wife team, but they're not the only ones. We have uh, Truth Presso, which often is a husband and wife team there, uh, although sometimes not. Uh, once in a while in a rare uh, fashion we'll have my wife on this uh, podcast well not this one it's truth exposed but certainly on our quest for truth where we just talk about of uh, faith bible life worldviews and have discussions about that kind of more in a casual setting and so, hey, those are some of my personal favorites. So now that I've chattered about all of that, let's listen to a couple so you can see what they sound like. 
Andrew Rappaport's Rap Report is a podcast providing biblical interpretations and applications. It is a ministry of striving for eternity and part of the Christian podcast community. We provide a biblical view of cultural events, discuss how to apply God's word to the Christian life, address issues that concern the church, and we even take some time to offer a correct understanding of those commonly misinterpreted passages of Scripture. You will hear from great guests like Justin Peters, Todd Friel, Jay Warren Wallace, and Gabe Hughes. Andrew has the Rap Report Daily, which is a two-minute Monday through Friday podcast, and then the longer Rap Report podcast for more content. Subscribe to both today by searching for Rap Report on any podcast app, spelled R-A-P-P Report, or click the podcast link at strivingforeternity.org. isn't about us. In fact, parenting isn't even about our kids. Parenting is just one way Christian dads and moms are to worship God. So welcome to the Truth Love Parent Podcast, where we train dads and moms to give God the preeminence in their parenting. Main topic. Okay, we're going to look at John chapter 11, starting at verse 28. And we're going to go all the way through verse 45. I'm pretty sure we can get to this pretty simply. There's a lot of verses, but there's not a lot to comment on. Uh, in fact, uh, our co-host Nathan Caldwell and our favored uh, Bible teacher, long-deceased uh, radio Bible teacher, J. Vernon McGee, neither one have a lot of remarks here. But there are a few uh, cultural things to comment on as we move through these verses. But first, just a, a, a word of review. Uh, previous to this, we had visited uh, with uh, Martha and Jesus. She had gone to meet Jesus while Mary stayed home in her grief. She knew, meaning Martha, knew that if Jesus had been there, her brother would not have died. She also knew that Jesus would do something good, whatever God directed him to do. Martha ended up confessing her faith that Jesus is the Christ, the Lord, life, and resurrection. Now, moving into today with John 11, verse 28. Oh, and by the way, I'll be reading this from the New American Standard Bible, NASB. So here we go. When she had said this, she went away and called Mary her sister, saying secretly, the teacher is here and is calling for you. Now, Martha privately told her sister that Jesus was waiting outside. And when she had so said, she went her way and called Mary, her sister, secretly saying, The Master has come and calls for you. Jesus was calling for her. It was a gentle uh, reminder being sent to tell someone that Jesus is calling you. Now, verse 29 as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came unto him. When she had heard it, she got up quickly and was coming to him. As, as gentle as that message is, Jesus is calling you. Uh, Mary uh, took Martha's word as a command, and she got right up and went right out to him. Verse 30, now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still in the place where Martha met him. Now Jesus was 
not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. <clears throat> now, possibly he did this because of the many Jews who were gathered at the home. Uh, some who might have been previously looking to kill him, because remember, as we wrapped up chapter 10, uh, he was, had Jews out to get him. And this is why he, his disciples weren't too keen on coming back to the area uh, at the beginning of chapter 11. Uh, so that could be a possibility. Uh, another possibility could be that his presence sort of just plain out caused a stir with everybody in the house wanting to greet Jesus. And a, a private uh, meeting would, just would not have been possible. Just a couple possibilities. Uh, moving on. Verse 31, Then the Jews who were with her in the house and were consoling her, when they saw that Mary got up quickly and went out, they followed her, supposing that she was going to the tomb to weep there. Now I'm reading verse 31, The Jews then which were with her in the house and comforted her, when they saw Mary, that she rose up hastily and went out, followed her, saying, She goeth unto the grave to weep there. Now, the Jews in the house, uh, of course, this was a collection of people. They were possibly family, friends, uh, Jewish people from the synagogue who knew them, professional mourners, any, any number of combination with that. Uh, but they saw a key family member. Uh, who was in this grieving process, this funeral uh, ceremonies, she just got up and she raced out. What would you think they would think? Would, was she going to the tomb for another round of grieving and wailing and crying and beating her chest and whatever other things that they would do? This was the emotional sister, after all. You know, it, it, be, it begs to ask the question, well, what about Martha? She had left. But I guess her quiet, practical nature didn't get noticed on the grief radar. And she went out kind of quietly, probably, too. She just wasn't the emotional one. Anyway, move on to verse 32. Therefore, when Mary came where Jesus was, she saw him and fell at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. When Mary was come where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother had not died. Had not died, my brother, is actually the way it should be, because in the Greek, that which is important is put first. My brother had not died, you see. And that is the thing that she's emphasizing. Had not died, my brother. And again, she's now in sympathy with Martha in this, if you'd only been present. Now, that's one of the reasons that the Lord Jesus will say a little later, it's expedient for you that I go away. It's better, he said, for me to go away, for me to leave. And one of the reasons is made obvious right here. Had he been here in the flesh, continued here in the flesh, why... If he were today in your town, wherever you're listening, he couldn't be here with us. And if he's here with us today, he couldn't be with you out yonder listening in. So that it'd be impossible for him to be at every place at the same time. But he says, it's expedient for you that I go away. If I go not away, why, the Holy Spirit will not come, the Comforter. But if I go, I will send him unto you. And when he has come, 
And he'll be everywhere, you see. He's where you are today. And he's where I am today. And he's on the other side of the world in India. Everywhere there are believers, he indwells them today. So she falls at his feet. She makes much the same claim as Martha did. If you had been here, my brother would not have died. So moving on to verse 33, when Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and was troubled. When Jesus therefore saw her weeping and the Jews also weeping, which came with her, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled. In other words, if you want to know how God feels about the death of your loved ones, look at this. He groaned in his spirit, he's troubled. Death is a frightful thing, actually. And you can be sure of one thing, that he enters into sympathy with you. But you see, his sympathy is for the living. Actually, was not for the dead, because he knew what he's going to do. Now, there's some things to notice here. <clears throat> now, with Martha... Jesus comforted her with words. She came out, you might say that was her love language, and they had a conversation. She's a very level-headed uh, person, very practical. So Jesus comforted her with what she needed to have comfort in. And that was words. With Mary, who was weeping, and the mourners who were weeping, Jesus expressed himself very emotionally. It says that they were weeping which it means they're sobbing and willing out loud. This is what Mary and the mourners were doing. But Jesus was deeply moved. Now, in King James, I think it says groaned. is the same thing. It means that he was snorting with anger, snorting like a horse. <laughs> uh, that's what that word means. He, he was so emotional. He was snorting angry. <laughs> he was troubled. It means to be stirred or agitated. Uh, so he definitely, uh, to those who uh, need that emotional expression, he, he expresses himself in the way that we express ourselves. Uh, moving on to verse 34. And said, where have you laid him? They said to him, Lord, come and see. And he said, where have you laid him? And they said unto him, come and see. Now, it's a seemingly innocent question. Where did you lay him? Clearly, he wants to mourn at the tomb too, right? This is what you could imagine the mourners were thinking. Uh, Jesus had more than just mourning in mind, though. Verse 35, Jesus wept. Now, for the longest time, I wondered why Jesus wept. Um... He knew Lazarus wasn't going to stay dead, so, so I don't think it was that. At one point, I thought maybe it was from their lack of faith. But when I go back in context, I think it may be this, that he saw them all crying, and he had compassion on them, and he felt with them their sorrow and their pain. And even though he knew this was going to end well, he still felt empathy for them. You know, we are told in the New Testament 
that we are to weep with those that weep and rejoice with those that rejoice. And I think here that's exactly what Jesus was doing. He was weeping with those who wept. And then we read on the way out, Jesus wept. And this is the way God feels at your funeral. He joins you in shedding tears, by the way. But not for the loved one that's in Christ, because it's far better to go and be with Christ, but for you in your loss. Death is not a pleasant thing. Jesus wept. Yeah, the, probably one of the shortest verses in the Bible. Uh, it is, I think, the shortest if you look at it in the original language, uh, at least in the New Testament. Uh, my favorite verse to memorize whenever I was a kid, because it was so long. <laughs> um, but Jesus wept. Why did Jesus weep? If he knew before he even arrived what he was going to do. Remember he told the disciples, I'm glad for your sake that Lazarus has died because I'm going to go and glorify God, paraphrasing that a lot. Uh, why did he weep? He knew that he had died. He knew what he was going to do before he got there. So why was he weeping? Um, Lazarus was in a better place, and now Jesus has to call him back. This is one thing I've heard a lot about why he wept. He didn't want to have to bring Lazarus back. <clears throat> Maybe he was upset by being misunderstood by the bystanders. Because they they were weeping out of mourning, but he he was weeping not out of mourning, but something else. Uh, he could have been doing any or all of the above. Um, uh, verse 36, so the Jews were saying, see how he loved him. Now, true, Jesus did love Lazarus, but his tears weren't over the loss of Lazarus because, as he had discussed with Martha a few verses earlier, that Lazarus would be one of those who would be a believer that would be resurrected on the last day, but also in a few moments. And verse 36 could not be more accurate when it said, Then said the Jews, Behold how he loved him, how he loved Lazarus, how he loved uh also, though, that they didn't say he loved Mary, he loved Martha, as well as Lazarus. I think the Jews missed it here. Behold how he loved them. That is, how he loved the living that were there that were weeping. Verse 37, but some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man also from dying? Now, some who were there recognized his miracle power, just as Mary and Martha did, that he, had he not been there, uh, he would not have died. That's the same words that Mary and Martha used. Uh, they made reference to the blind man, and this was just recent, just a few months earlier, possibly just a few days or weeks earlier, because this is what got Jesus to... On, on the outs with religious leaders. He'd healed the blind man back in chapter 9. Uh, through chapter 10 is, is kind of a follow-up where he was teaching the blind man and his disciples, and which led to uh, this, uh, Pharisees wanting to throw rocks at him. So this is a very fresh uh, in their minds that this happened. Uh, but were they doubting or challenging the power? If you'd been here... Uh, 
But he didn't get upset when his sisters made the same statement. Was Jesus upset with these people for saying that? Maybe, again, a misunderstanding on their part? Uh, later, uh, there were hostile Jews uh, present, and it would lead into some of the events of the crucifixion. And there was also, we'll find in John, that they were also out to you know, do away with Lazarus again. And some of them said, Could not this man which opened the eyes of the blind, have caused that even this man should not have died? And you see, they go back to that incident of the opening of the eyes of the blind. That apparently made a profound impression upon Jerusalem and all the surrounding area, you see, if that had not been true. Well, let's move on. Verse 38, So Jesus, again, being deeply moved within, came to the tomb. Now it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Now Jesus therefore again groaning himself coming to the grave. It was a cave and a stone lay upon it. Again deeply moved groan snort with anger. Jesus was, was again expressing some deep emotion here. He came to the stone burial cave uh, now, the custom was that a body was wrapped uh, in, in burial clothing, allowed to decay, and then later, a year or so, the, the, it would be dug up, and the remaining bones, which were held within the grave clothes, would be buried in a smaller box called ossuary. And that smaller box, uh, it, it allowed the tombs to be reused, and, but that box made the, the bones easier to deal with, where they... I don't know if they buried him in a separate place, if they treated them much like we do with uh, a loved one who has their ashes in a, in a urn. I, I, I'd have to read up on it, on that point. But it, did, it just made it easier to deal with uh, and to, to reuse the grave. Moving, moving on here. In verse 39, Jesus said, Remove the stone. And Martha, the sister of the deceased, said to him, Lord, by this time there will be a stench, for he has been dead for days. Jesus said, take away the stone. Martha, the sister of him that was dead, said unto him, Lord, by this time he stinketh, for he hath been dead four days. Now, I got I to say, I know it's a weird situation, it's a sad situation, but the phrase in the King James to me is so funny, and I'm sorry if that's, I don't want to be disrespectful, especially, especially to the Word of God, but by now he stinketh just, I mean, that sounds like something you'd say to somebody after they, they hadn't had a bath for a couple of days, oh, by now you stinketh, you know. Martha didn't understand what Jesus was doing. How often is it that God is working in our lives and we just don't know what he's doing? You see, decay had set in in the body. That's what happens to our bodies. And I don't care what the undertakers do to it today, friends. Oh, they made death a very pleasant little episode today. And I don't mean to be critical of undertakers because they've been my friends. I've worked with them for years. But very frankly, let's face up to it that you can't cover up 
death by embalming and painting up the face and putting a suit of clothes on it, putting it in a nice coffin and putting flowers on around it. Now, somebody says, don't you think that should be done? Yes, I do, because it softens the shock. But if you want to know the truth, death is an awful thing. Let's face up to it. This is what happens to the body, but the individual, whether he's saved or lost, has moved out of that body. The saved, absent from the body, present with the Lord. Now, this wasn't going to be easy uh, to remove the stone. It, it's what sealed the stone, uh, the tomb. It was heavy for a reason. It kept all those, the decaying process inside, and it kept you know, predators out, and it gave. Uh, a, a time uh, again for the, there to be nothing left but bones to be be put into the ossuary and and and, and be have the tomb available for someone else in the future who may need it. But after four days, well, you know, the body would be stinking. And if you ever had something like my, a mouse in the house, that crawled up somewhere and died you know it uh, it's not very pleasant until you find that little bad boy or you just suffer through because you can't find it and uh, until it's all anyway gone now let's move on um, to verse 40 jesus said to her did i not say to you that if you believe you will see the glory of god verse 40 jesus said unto her Said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou should see the glory of God? Now remember, he told his disciples that all this was going to happen so that the glory of God would happen. Well, they're about to see it. You remember he said this would be for the glory of God. Now he had told his disciples earlier this would glorify God. He had told Martha earlier he was resurrection and life. She said then that he, she believed him and that he would do what God showed him to do. Now it's time to put some feet on that faith, put that faith to action. You said you believed it. Now here Jesus is with the payoff. And you, you, are you willing to endure <laughs> the he stinketh part uh, to see the glory of God? Uh, verse 41. So they removed the stone, and Jesus raised his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me. Let me pause right there. He goes on, but let me pause that. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead was laid, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank thee that thou hast heard me. The stone is raised. Then Jesus prays a word of thanks. But he does continue, so let's continue too. And let's read verse 42. I knew that you always hear me, but because of the people standing around, I said it so that, you, so that they may believe that you've sent me. So he always knows that God hears him. God always hears him. Now God always hears us too as believers. But Jesus prays out loud, not for his own sake, not for God's sake, but so as listeners will understand and believe. Now, when we have a, a pub, what's it called, public prayer, corporate prayer in church, uh, this is often, not always, but often, 
The reason why is because the person leading in prayer, they may not necessarily be bringing a, a, a personal petition before God. Sometimes they're praying so it's for the benefit of those who are listening so that the listeners of the corporate prayer can come to understand and believe that God's at work doing something. And I knew that you hear me always, but because the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe thou hast sent me. Jesus prayed aloud for the benefit of others to teach and express a valuable lesson. The prayer was genuine, but it was more than just a prayer. And I'll be honest, sometimes I do that. Especially if I'm with a group that I'm not sure if they know the gospel. In my prayer, I will try to incorporate at least some of the gospel message as much as I can in it. So they, not all, but I'm praying and I'm being honest. I'm being sincere in my prayer. It's real. But I also want them to hear. And God knows what I'm doing. And I don't think he's offended by that. Dr. Robinson, I ain't going to quote him, but he did our Sunday school lesson for a while. And he said, you know, uh, uh, this isn't Jesus calling attention to himself. It's him giving all the credit to, to God the Father. And um, something to think about. And I knew that thou hearest me always, but because of the people which stand by, I said it, that they may believe that thou hast sent me. He didn't need to pray this prayer. I need to pray, but he didn't need to pray this prayer. He did this for the benefit of those that were there to help their faith. Let's move on. Verse 43, when he said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. <laughs> I just recently heard a preacher uh, deliver a sermon based on the same passage. He says, he called in a loud voice because he had to call loud enough to wake the dead. <laughs> you ever heard that phrase? It's so loud, it's loud enough to wake the dead. Well, that's what he did. He called in a loud voice. And I, and to, it was um, when Jesus calls. There's nothing else to do but come to him. Now, just to also insert another humorous point here. You know, whenever Jesus called Lazarus, it was it was so loud and so commanding that three other people came out too, because you know Lazarus came forth. Eh, yeah, bad, bad, bad joke. Verse 43, when he had thus had spoken, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. Come forth. And that was always his method when he raised the dead. And I want to add this, that there were not just three or four that are mentioned in the Gospels that were raised from the dead. There were, I think, multitudes. We said that not just a few blind but probably hundreds, and there were great many people that had been raised from the dead. Verse 44, the man who died came forth by hand and foot with wrappings, and his face was wrapped around with a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Now you find here that Lazarus did come out. 
He was still bound in grave clothes. Probably they were loose enough so he could wiggle and hop. When Jesus said, come forth, he did, did what he could. He stood up and he probably hopped and stumbled out of the tomb. But being tied, it, would, it wouldn't have been as, as tight as an Egyptian mummy, but, but uh, he certainly would have been loosely tied. But he, uh, it, it was up to others to finish loosening him. And Jesus you know, c c uh, called Lazarus out, and then he commanded others to help him. So sometimes when there's an impossible task, uh, it's up to us to do our part, and it's up to others to come and do their part. And he that was dead came forth, bound hand and foot, with grave clothes, and his face was about with, uh, bound about with a napkin. Jesus said unto him, uh, "Sorry, Jesus saith unto them, Loose him and let him go." Have you noticed the difference between the resurrection of Lazarus and the resurrection of Jesus? And when you see the contrast and the difference, you will see that this was merely a restoration to the life in the old body. We call it a resurrection. But when Jesus came forth from the dead, he left those grave clothes and he left that napkin wrapped about his head. He just came right up out of it. Why? Because he came out in a glorified body. And they didn't need to roll away the stone for Jesus to come forth. They needed to roll away the stone to let those outside on the inside. That was the reason that stone was rolled away. It wasn't rolled away to let him out at all. That is something that we need to see. Remember, he came right into the room and the door was locked and he came right into where they were. Verse 44. How could Lazarus come forth from the tomb if he was bound hand and foot? Problem! This verse states what seems impossible. Namely, when Jesus raised Lazarus, he who had died came out bound hand and foot. Uh, it's not as difficult a problem as it may seem, but I'll go ahead and continue reading. Solution! It is not impossible. The Jewish corpses were not wound so tight, uh, like an Egyptian mummy, uh, that it precluded all motion. When life came back into Lazarus' body, he was no doubt jolted into action. He could have slid from a slab, stood upright on the floor, and if necessary, even jumped to the cave door opening. Nothing more than this is implied in the term came forth. Having done what only he could do, namely, raise Lazarus from the dead, Jesus expected Lazarus and others to do what they could do. So Jesus asked them to unloose Lazarus' cords. And do that one. Yeah, and being bound hand to foot does not mean you cannot move. They didn't, like, stake him down to a chair or a rock. <laughs> You can still move with your hands tied. Um, Harry Houdini famously would escape from locked boxes with his hands feet and tight and swim around to get away underwater. Uh, it, it is not impossible. It's cumbersome. Not impossible. Anyway, uh, sorry about the extra rant there at the end, but that is our Bible challenge for today. Challenge.
challenges are from the Big Book of Bible Difficulties by Norman Geisler and Thomas Howe. Baker Books, 1992. I'm moving out to verse 45. Therefore, many of the Jews who came to Mary and saw what he had done believed in him. Then many of the Jews which came to Mary and had seen the things which Jesus did believed on him. And why not? <laughs> you, have, you have seen the evidence. So there were Jews there, some of those mourners that followed Mary out. They saw this and they believed. Uh, but uh, this is where things take a bit of a turn. In verse 46, some of them went to the Pharisees and told them the things which Jesus had done. And we'll have to cover that next time. Welcome to the Truth Be Known podcast, bringing you the objective truth boldly, candidly, and without apology. Welcome to this week's episode. Welcome back to another episode of the Truth Be Known podcast. I'm Nathaniel Jolly. And I am Eki Tepsipornshai. Well, guys, we have a, we appreciate your time and we appreciate our listeners. And until next time, let the truth be known. The Truth Be Known podcast is a theologically driven, gospel-centered program serving the body of Christ by bringing biblical truth to bear on issues facing the church today. Subscribe to the Truth Be Known podcast by using the podcast app on your Apple or Android device or listen online at strivingforeternity.org in the podcast section. Welcome to Thoroughly Equipped, a podcast for women where we compare the popular women's ministry teachings, books, conferences, Bible studies, etc. to scripture. Our focus is 2 Timothy 3, 16-17, that all scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so the man or woman of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. I am your host, Melba Toast. May this episode bless you and bring glory to God. Welcome, ladies. I pray you are in His Word. Ladies, if you are interested in the transcript for this episode, you can go to ttew.org. You can find other great resources, articles, blogs, and videos that may bless you in your Christian walk, as well as links to follow me on social media. If you wish to contact me, you can email me at thoroughlyequipped316 at gmail.com. Again, the website address is ttew.org. Thoroughly Equipped is part of Striving for Eternity's Christian podcast community. Striving for Eternity is a Christ-centered ministry focused on equipping people for eternity by assisting Christians to have an eternal perspective on life. They strive to bring evangelism, discipleship, apologetics, and Christian living together for the purpose of eternal preparation by exalting God, edifying and equipping the saints, and evangelizing the lost. They provide speakers, online articles, online courses, books, podcasts, and other theological resources, all centered on God's Word. 
find out more, go to strivingforeternity.org. And to listen to other podcasts, go to podcast.strivingforeternity.org. I pray that their resources bless you as they have blessed me as we live our lives day by day, praising and glorifying God. All right. Wow. And that is some powerful teaching on Lazarus. Uh, Definitely putting your faith to the test. You say you believe me. If you'd only been here, then, well, Jesus sometimes to test that faith, it doesn't look pretty. And if we're willing to step up to the, the potential of having to smell the smell and look at the unprettiness of reality uh we might be surprised and we might have joy uh, restored for doing that now of course as life happens uh, we don't have record of it but uh, of course lazarus eventually uh, had died and so have his sisters and they are enjoying uh, a glorified life with christ and his place in heaven and uh, so that's what we had to look forward to as well so uh, just some final thoughts some closing out thoughts there oh and by the way thanks again for all the great folks there at the christian podcast community.com or dot org that both will work uh, if you visit there click on uh, i think it's a button towards the bottom i want to say it says shows or you can type in i think slash shows on the address bar you'll see the big listing of folks and when you find folks there they uh, everyone should have a like a, a, their own separate page a contact link or a button drop people a line tell them how you found them uh, mention our show that you found them to us if you want but hey, drop a good word and say what you like about what they're doing. And so with that said, I don't have an awful lot more. Uh, next week, we'll be back in the groove with a quest for truth. We are still working on some audio dramas. Um, I haven't heard about that, but I do need to check because I think we might be just about ready to kick into some production on those. Um, but um, yeah, stay tuned for some more uh, uh, fun stuff as we progress through life and uh, hopefully join us for that so talk to you later next week see you then and tell a friend about us leave a rating review and thanks for listening visit life-truth.com where you can find all our shows leave a message or call our voicemail number at 401-753-4844 Find us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash life truth page. Follow us on Twitter at capital H, capital P, capital N, capital C, A-S-T. Everything Nathan Caldwell does can be found at facebook.com forward slash protectors of the book. Music in the show is used by permission of Kevin Zerby at zerbinator.wordpress.com. May the word of Christ dwell in you richly. May you find everything you need. And if you don't know Jesus, your greatest need is a Savior. Thanks for listening.